Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry here on KOPN. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone who is building a more humane world from the inside out. And I've been introduced to a a friend, a new friend up in Clayton, Missouri, John Berline. Uh, Good morning, John. Good morning, Dick. Thanks for having me. (laughs) This was a a kind of a wonderful uh, synchronicity of getting an email that uh, there's a book that's just come out uh, called Trailblazers by uh, Jeanette Cooperman. And it's about some people that you have uh, intimate knowledge of, uh, Ted and Pat Jones with uh, Edward Jones Financial Services. So uh, we're gonna spend the hour together exploring you and this book and and your relationship and their relationship to Missouri and and, uh, things like the Katy Trail. Uh, It was fascinating, by the way. I've read this uh, good part of the book and uh, I'm really anxious for the listening audience to uh, be able to not only hear us talk about it, but uh, find a way to get the book themselves. So so here we go. Welcome. Glad you're here with us. John, you retired fairly recently from Edward Jones? Three years ago, Dick, yes. Uh, when I turned 65, there's mandatory retirement for partners at Edward Jones, and I reached that ripe old age, so I've been finding my way through retirement for the last three years. Wow. Is that part of the... Uh, uh, system at Edward Jones in a sense that that allowed new partners to come in and others? Yes, you put your finger right on it. Ted figured uh, out years ago that uh, he saw too many firms that went under in Wall Street just because they had a bunch of old guys sitting around collecting checks and the energy had gone out of them. And so he said, you know, uh, we want to give young people an opportunity at Edward Jones. So uh, he said, mandatory retirement. You start uh, selling off your ownership in the firm at age 55, a tenth a year for 10 years until you're 65 and you're out. Uh, and then it gives uh, younger folks the hope that they would someday have the opportunity to run the place. Well, I frankly know nothing about financial services or Edward D. Jones or Edward Jones. I think part of what I'm wanting you to help us uh, do today besides uh, the celebration of Ted and Pat Jones in the book and, and all, is just to just give us a, a sense of what a financial service is and how Ted Jones sort of shifted from his father's traditional financial services into something that's now, what, the fourth largest uh, financial services in the country? It's a remarkable uh, success story. Mr. Jones Sr. started the firm in 1922, 100 years ago, uh, as a very traditional uh, uh, member of the New York Stock Exchange, selling stocks and bonds and mutual funds and that sort of thing. Uh, And um, uh, he was uh, located downtown St. Louis, and um, it was a a one-office operation. And Ted came along in the 50s and, and, and noticed that, you know, there are a lot of small towns around the 
the country that uh, are not serviced uh, by Wall Street. Uh, they have banks, certainly, but they don't have access to the financial markets in the way that most would in larger towns. And he had a love affair all his life with small town America. And uh, it dawned on him what he ought to be doing is uh, taking Wall Street to Main Street and, and set out uh, to make that his passion in life. And here we are many, many years later, and we're the fourth largest firm in the, in the country, uh, 19,000 financial advisors around uh, the country, over 15,000 branch offices. We're in every county in the country, but one. Uh, there's one in Texas where we don't have a branch office, but we're in North America. and. You know, when I started with the firm in 1976, we were about 20 million in revenues uh, and a couple of million dollars in capital. And now we're 14 or excuse me, 12 billion dollars in revenues and four billion dollars in uh, capital. So it's been a Fortune 500 company success story that many, many people are just not aware of. Yeah, I wasn't for sure. So I've I drive by, there's a Edward Jones sign on a building. If I went in, uh, why would I go in and what would I find? They'd welcome you. I mean, uh, we only do one thing. We're, we're not into mergers and acquisitions and fancy investment banking. We're in the uh, business of helping people understand what their financial goals are. Uh, you know, we have a process that we put everybody through, but we want to understand your risk tolerance levels. and. And, uh, you know, what's important to you in life? And uh, we want you to find the purpose in your life and, and help you understand how your finances can, um, uh, can be reorganized into a plan that enables you to achieve the important uh, life drivers uh, that you wake up every morning thinking about and go into bed every night thinking about. And it's a very personal relationship-driven business. And it's um, a pretty simple business, but we like to keep it simple, and uh, it's worked well for us uh, for a hundred years. Evidently, <laughs> and and there were bumps in the road, uh, from what I read. That uh, you know there were difficult uh, decisions that had to be made, and and I was uh, impressed with how Ted uh, Jones would gather information from others and and sometimes just say okay it's your all's job to make the decision on this uh he wasn't like a a top down in a sense uh, i have to control everything is that the way you experienced ted well he and his father uh dick were very uh, strong uh uh, willed individuals. They had a Welsh background. They were very small in stature, but fiery in personality. That uh, personality sometimes would explode from their bodies, but uh, uh, they uh, they were uh, people who listened and believed in partnership. And to, that's why still today, we're not a publicly held company. We're a partnership. And they believed that, uh, you know, two heads were better than one. And uh, they shared uh, the ownership of the company. Uh, there are uh, over 25,000 of the 57,000 associates that uh, make up the company uh, own the place. Uh, and so Ted, I mean, he could have kept it all for, uh, to himself and made it a family business as so many uh, family businesses do. That wasn't his way of thinking. He, he thought that the people who create the value that is the organization should own the value that they create. Uh, and because of that, he made it possible for people to buy into the business and become owners. And 
he thought he had a fundamental belief that people who are owners behave differently than people who are employees. Mm-hmm. Owners take responsibility for the success of the organization. They shepherd their scarce resources. They they don't watch the clock, uh, and you know they just go the extra mile uh, to help our clients have a good experience. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Edward Jones, year in and year out, has has one of the highest client loyalty uh, ratings in the in the industry. Well, there is a a nice little story about you in the book that I came across yesterday. It seemed as though you were invited by a couple of guys to uh, invest $25,000 in becoming a partner. And you didn't have the money. I certainly didn't. I was a, uh, I had just graduated from Washington University. And you know, you come out with student debt. And uh, my wife and I um, had uh, squirreled away about $5,000. We were expecting our first child. This was uh, in 1979. And um, uh, we were very excited about uh, the opportunity to try and uh, take uh, our first child home from the hospital to a house home, not an apartment home. So we'd squirreled away these this $5,000 to put in as a down payment. Uh, Ted came to me actually and said, we'd like you to be an owner in the company, uh, but I need $25,000 from you uh, if you're gonna uh, become an owner. And I said, Ted, I, I don't have $25,000. He says, oh, you don't need 25,000. You know, I've, I've got, all you need is $5,000. We have banks that'll loan you the other 20. And I, and I thought to myself, how can I go home and tell my very pregnant wife that we're gonna take the $5,000 that we had uh, saved for a house and invested in a warm and fuzzy limited partnership in Edward Jones. I've, I quickly surmised I wasn't that good a salesman. So I turned back and said, Ted, you know, I really don't have the $5,000. And he said, well, you know, it is bonus time. Uh, handed me a check uh, for $5,000. He said, turn it over, sign the back of it and give it back to me. Uh, I'd really like for you to become an owner. He was tighter than tree bark, Dick. I mean, you'd go out to lunch with him and he would never buy lunch. He'd, he'd drive you there, but uh, he'd always get in a different line than you did if you were at McDonald's, so he wouldn't have to buy you lunch. So a uh, very uh, you know, a complex guy. Wouldn't buy you lunch, but he'd give you $5,000 to buy ownership in his own company. That's just an amazing guy. Yeah. Well, there... This book, uh, Trailblazers, uh, subtitle uh, The Free-Spirited and Extraordinary Lives of Ted and Pat Jones by Jeanette Cooperman, goes into the history of uh, uh, kind of the family tree of both uh, Ted and his dad and grandparents and and same with Pat. Fascinating stories. I mean, this guy, Ted, uh, traveled the world, uh, worked his way here and there, boats and, I don't know, all kinds of jobs that you wouldn't expect a, a person of that had wealth available to do and uh, must have had conversations and observations that uh, played into this um, style that he developed. Is that the way you understood it? Yeah, you know, he was, uh, Dick, he was a part of the greatest generation, you know, and uh, they were adventurous and, and Ted was a uh, high-spirited kid from the start. Uh, I mean, he went to the uh, uh, the Taylor School here in St. Louis, was uh, started in the early 1930s uh, to cater to blue blood families that had high-spirited kids who were uh, hard to manage, always getting into trouble, getting into fights, and Ted was one of them. And so his dad <laughs> enrolled him in the Taylor School and um, kind of a 
uh, a theme of him getting into fights all through his life because he he was as it's he was small he was a short short man but uh it was almost like david and goliath uh was his theme you know if there was a a, a villain out there or somebody bad he was going to stand up and and fight for the the young uh this uh the underdog uh but uh he liked uh the country i mean both ted and pat were born into blue blood families here in st louis and they could have gone the country club route and lived their lives out uh, but that's not who they were they loved the country Pat especially uh, was into nature and and together they you know Ted was a uh, was a, a, a very much a conservative Republican Pat was a very liberal Democrat but they <laughs> they loved it they loved uh, the the country and that was the bond that uh, that brought them together and that was uh, a major theme uh, for their lives was conservation. Uh, love uh, for ecology and 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 teaching other people about the beauty of the state of Missouri and its nature. Mm-hmm. Didn't they somehow meet or meet more uh, completely on a bike uh, trip somewhere? It was uh, when they were uh, young. Uh, uh, Pat went to Mary Institute, uh, and her uh, older brother was a good friend of Ted's at the Taylor School, and so they were going out. Uh, it was a, a weekend outing, the, the young family, which is uh, where Pat um, uh, came from, uh, had a, a conservation area. It was devoted or dedicated, gifted to the uh, uh, Missouri uh, uh, Conservation uh, Association uh, as a, a conservation area down Highway 44. Uh, mm-hmm. But at any rate, uh, the kids like to go uh, packing and uh, backpacking on the weekends and they get on their bikes and this is uh, 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 Pat's older brother introduced uh, Ted and Pat, and um, they, they were fast friends. And and uh, uh, I once asked uh, Pat if Ted how Ted proposed to her, and she said, "Well, <laughs> it was he never did a propose to me, and I, it, it was just kind of assumed that we would get married, and that's kind of how it happened, uh, which is probably not too uncommon uh, in those days." You sure there wasn't some cemetery story related to that? A cemetery story. <laughs> well, there's a little line in the book that says that he proposed to her in a cemetery, but she would never let him oh, tell that yeah. uh, at, at any of the gatherings. <laughs> I, I wish I could shed some light on that for you, Dick, but I never heard, got the inside on that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to do some more research. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see where Jeanette uh, found yeah. that little gem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeanette Cooperman has uh, some bragging rights, you might say, in her own world. She's quite a, an author of other books. She's uh, there in St. Louis. Uh, did you? How, did you come across Jeanette, or maybe? I have a Vic. I have a partner that uh, co-sponsored the book with me. Uh, Dan Burkhart is his name. He's a a big do-gooder in the, the state of Missouri's uh, conservation area and, and promotes the Katy Trail. But Dan has published uh, three books, two on the watershed uh, in the Missouri River Valley and one on the Everglades that Jimmy Buffett actually wrote the introduction for. But I knew Dan had some uh, knowledge about writing a book when this uh, thought uh, came to me about writing this biography. And uh, I'm not a, I, I've never written a book before. And so uh, but Dan knew that we needed a skilled writer uh, to do this justice. And so mm-hmm. he uh, had known of Jeanette and we were so fortunate to reach out to her and find her between assignments. 
because she's she's written five books. She's write she writes for Washington University and she writes for the St. Louis Magazine. She was editor in chief of the St. Louis Magazine for a number of years, but in 2019 was um, uh, uh, an uh, awarded uh, outstanding writer in the uh, in the uh, city of St. Louis. I mean, she's she's can weave a story like nobody I've ever seen and. <laughs> Uh, this book comes across almost like fiction, not nonfiction, because it doesn't have the, you know, the regimented this happened then and this happened then. It's, it's a storyline and it's a travelogue of Ted and Pat and the confluence of their lives and all the good things that came out of it. And Jeanette mm-hmm. just uh, beautifully weaves the values and the beliefs and the, uh, who those people are in a way that exceeded my expectations from the get-go. Wow. You told me just before we started recording how you you had a dream about this book is that the way it worked yeah yeah this this uh, book is literally a dream come true for me because uh back on january 6th when we were all watching the tv uh uh, sets uh, to see the nonsense that was going on in in washington dc we went to bed that night thinking, why, why are those people behaving like they've been injured somehow and, and, and behaving the way they are? And I thought, why could more people be like Ted and Pat Jones? Who's, uh, the purpose for their lives was to help uh, people have uh, better lives and, and the places that they would go, how to leave them better off. Uh, and so that night I had a dream that I had written the biographies of Ted and Pat Jones. <laughs> uh, woke up the, and I never remember dreams, but I woke up the next morning and I told my wife that I'd had this dream. But for three days in quiet moments, uh, this voice on my shoulder would come back to me, write the book, write the book, write the book. And I'm not a book writer. So I reached out to Dan and Dan, wow. Dan, as I said, knew of Jeanette. And um, I wanted something to good to come um, you know, we're in the pandemic and we've got all this angst in this, in America. And I thought, you know, something's good's got to come out of this, uh, for me personally, uh, for me to kind of wrestle with all the things, issues that were going on. I said, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure at least one thing comes good out of this pandemic. And, uh, I think this book, uh, people don't buy the book if you don't want to be inspired because Ted and Pat Jones led truly inspired lives. Truly. Yeah. I, I'm inspired. Of course I'm, 77, but uh, there's still room for inspiration, right? <laughs> you bet. You bet. Well, it's in the book. It's in, it's in this uh, really fascinating book, uh, Trailblazers uh, by Jeanette Cooperman. And uh, we might mention uh, just before we go to break that the book is uh, available at magnificentmissouri.org. Is that where That's people correct. find it? That's correct. They get, there's a there's an icon at the bottom of the first page that says Shop Magmo. Click on the Shop Magmo icon. It'll take you right to the book, and you can uh, order it there. It's $20 a copy plus shipping, uh, and uh, it really is a really good read. And the proceeds go to help um, keep the Thank maintenance you. for the Katy Trails. I Thank you very it. much. Yes, every dollar uh, raised with this book uh, will go to... Uh, the continuing maintenance and development of the Katy Trail. Yeah. Well, that's marvelous. Uh, a great way to invest in our own uh, state and our own conservation and fun uh, on the Katy Trail. So uh, we're going to take a break, uh, John, and uh, I'll be back with you in just a second. I just want to say hi to folks that are listening today uh, to Glocal News in Social Artistry. 
uh, here on KOPN.org, uh, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri. Almost 50 years old, coming next year. Started in 1973 in a upstairs, kind of an empty, unused portion of a building in downtown Columbia, Missouri. And uh, been able to grow into the space. Uh, and we always had a problem, though, that it, the stairs were long and we couldn't find a way to get a ramp into the back. And so it's not been accessible. And it's really been a, a hardship for many and for our own uh, uh, you know awareness we want we want it to be accessible to people's a community radio station well we have a new building yes <laughs> well we're going to move into a building that's new for us uh it's actually going on as we speak i think the the dish is being moved maybe this week uh, and by the end of the summer i think we'll be fully moved in uh, over on uh, the west side, close to Stadium Boulevard and uh, West Lakes uh, area out there. So uh, we appreciate your support for this community radio station and listening and uh, whatever donations you can make at any time, both for our operating uh, cost and, and for the capital campaign to help uh, finish paying off the building. A great amount has already been raised, and we appreciate everyone that's uh, been able to help with that. I wanted to reintroduce my guest today. This is John Berline from uh, uh, Clayton, Missouri. So, John, you're um, a, a retired Edward Jones uh, partner. Um, you've been with the company for 42 years. Uh, you um, watched it grow from uh, not tiny but small to now fourth largest financial services business in the country yeah no you're right ted or uh, dick it, it <laughs> ted um ted took it over when it was like the ninth largest uh firm in st louis not the country we were tiny mm -hmm. you were right you nailed it we were tiny uh everything that was edward jones in 1976 uh, was on one floor of one building in uh, westport uh, uh which is on the northwest side of the county uh, and today we've got um, four campuses uh, in North America, lots of structures to, to uh, you know, put 57,000 people. That is the company. There were less than 500 people in the firm when I started, but there's 57,000 now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, they're all dedicated to one thing, and that's helping individual investors achieve their financial goals. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot of... There's a lot of demand for that out there in the country, and Ted uh, Ted could see it. Well, let's talk just a little more about Edward D. Jones, and and uh, and then we'll certainly balance out with some more stories about uh, Katie Trail and things like that. But uh, there was a couple of points in the book that stood out to me. One was uh, a, a fellow approached Ted, as I recall, saying, uh, "Why don't we put two people in an office and you know that way they could handle more clients <laughs> and what was ted's answer to that do you recall well you know uh, uh, ted uh, ted was an entrepreneur you know and he he always felt like that if you had one person in a branch office you knew who was in charge and who was responsible and who would be held accountable for the success of that branch you put two in it then all of a sudden it gets kind of fuzzy Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and if there were disputes that would occur uh, in the branch, 
who was going to who was going to be the peacemaker uh you know they have to have a mediator in there to to settle things and to the extent that you just have one person uh running a branch office that person doesn't have anybody else to talk to except maybe their financial uh, uh their branch assistant that's in the branch but after that their clients so ted always figured if you had somebody else in the branch You'd spend more time talking to them than you would to your clients, and he wanted them talking to their clients. Right. And so uh, it was easier to tell who was generating the profit that way. And every branch office, Ted wanted to make sure had their own P&L statement, their profit and loss statement, uh, because if they were generating a profit, we wanted to track it. And in good times, we wanted to give some of that profit that they were generating back to them in the form of bonuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. Uh, it was just cleaner accounting, and it, it helped you focus in on uh, the highest priority we have at the firm, and that's talking to clients about their financial uh, goals and objectives and helping them achieve that. That was That's how Ted saw it. So with that growth of making sure there was just one, uh, what, is that a partner that would have each of these facilities? Branch offices. Yeah, yeah. Yes, these branch offices. Yeah, uh, some would be partners. So after they've uh, been uh, working at the firm, uh, usually about three years and and have started to generate a profit in their branch, they would have the opportunity to be eligible to become an owner in the place. Uh, Not just the uh, financial advisors in the branch, but their service agent, which we call branch office administrators, would also have that opportunity. Plus people in the home office uh, who are supporting all of those folks. There's over 5,000 folks in the home office that are supporting all of those branch offices. So mm-hmm. all of those folks are, have opportunities to become owners in Edward Jones. Ted once said that uh, he actually came to uh, to the partners one last time before he passed away in 1990. It was a very emotional meeting because we all knew he was dying from cancer and uh, this was the last time he was going to be with us. Uh, you know, he had a lot of things that he wanted to share with us, things that lessons he had learned in the business over the years that he would not want us to forget. But Ted always had a way of lightening the mood. And, and somebody asked him, I said, well, well, Ted, what do you want us to remember you for when you're gone? And he said, well, I guess, you know, I really haven't thought about it as if he hadn't. He had. I said, <laughs> I, I guess I'd like to be known as the most successful communist in the country. And the room went silent. And we started whispering, he said, did he just say communist? I think he just said communist. So somebody had the courage to ask me, said, Ted, you're going to have to help us with that because last time we checked, we're here in the in the middle of the free enterprise system, raising money for America's finest companies. We're members of the New York Stock Exchange and you want to be remembered as a communist. Help us understand that. And he said, well, think about it. What does pure communism suggest? It suggests that the people who create the value that is the organization should own the value that they create. He said the communists had it right. They just executed the people instead of the plan. Ah, of course, ah. everybody broke up, you know, and it was his way of he knew we were hurting because he was going to be leaving us. But he had a way of uh, lightening our mood and, and that, he was just a great guy. Well, and that answer was educational. It was. It was. I mean, he was still teaching. <laughs> and that was, you know, what he... Yeah. That was his forte, was uh, was training and teaching and, by example, showing ways to do things, maybe without uh, looking like a teacher. But if people were paying attention, he was giving lessons all the time. He was. Now, the first time I ever met him, Dick, I was sitting, I'm an intern, summer intern, uh, 
sitting at my desk trying to figure out what I was supposed to do for the summer. And this man walks around the corner and I didn't never met him before. Uh, and it's Ted. And he said, excuse me, uh, you and I have not met. Uh, you are. And I said, I'm John Berline. And he said, who did you say you work for? I said, Edward E. Jones and Company. He said, that's right. I'm Ted Jones. We save paper clips here. And he walked off. And I thought, did he see me throw a paper clip away? Uh, and, and but that was just Ted. It was his way of t teaching me that you didn't just join some high uh, flying, free spending organization. You know, this is a partnership. We have scarce resources. We all take care of them. Uh, and uh, that was just like Ted. It was a drive-by cultural shooting, as he as he did so often. Uh, and he uh, and he was famous for it. I mean, he did it all the time. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Well, he also had a way of um, what should we say? Uh, well, let let's go to where they Pat and and uh, his head lived, where they chose to live, and instead of St. Louis, here they are going to some land that uh, he that was it he that got the good deal on the seven hundred and fifty acres. Actually, his father. His oh. father got the deal uh, on the property back in the old days, uh, in the 30s, and uh, uh, as, as the Depression hit uh, and many farmers were going out of um, business uh, and these bonds that the government had uh, written loans on uh, were backed by real estate uh, that existed throughout the country. You could turn it, you could buy these bonds for 10 cents on the dollar and then turn them back to the government and the government would uh, sell you real estate that they had on their books. Oh my goodness. Uh, and so he bought this farm for 10 cents on the dollar. Uh, and Ted grew up on it as a child and uh, loved the place, planted lots of trees on it. And and uh, he and Pat uh, decided that's where they wanted to be. It's near in Williamsburg, Missouri. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called the Prairie Fork uh, uh, Conservation Area now. But uh, uh, you know, they never had kids. And so uh, one of the things that Pat did late in her life was open up the, the farm to school children. They'd bring buses out and uh, Pat would take them all uh, across the, the, you know, they'd had ponds and they had creeks and they had uh, rolling hills. Uh, and she would take them through the farm and teach them all about, uh, you know, the ecosystem in, uh, in the prairie. Uh, and these kids, she said, uh, come out and you're going to learn something, you're going to get dirty and you're going to have fun. And that was the three things that she said were the goals for the day. Learn something, get dirty and have fun. Not necessarily in those in that order, but uh, yeah. uh, Pat didn't have any children, but uh, uh, she influenced a lot of uh, kids' lives um, uh, with uh, her leadership around conservation. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a line in the book that says, uh, Although she didn't have children, she decided just to adopt the state of Missouri. She did. She did. <laughs> uh, and and there's uh, there's a, an important point here, Dick, to make, and that is, you know, both Ted and Pat saw things, even though they politically were uh, apart from each other, they found a way to work together and and uh, achieved a, a, a you know a, a number of great things. Katie Trail being one of them, but uh, together. Uh, and the the thing that um, Ted basically gave up his business to the partners. He would sell it off. And, uh, and you know, when he turned 55, he had to sell off a tenth of it a year until he was out in 65. And and, and then uh, Pat gave away the farm uh, to the University of Missouri's Agriculture um, School and uh, the uh, Missouri Conservation uh, uh, Department. And uh, she was asked, she said, 
why, why did you and Ted give so much of what your life work was uh, all about away? And she said, sometimes, this is her famous quote. She said, sometimes when you love something enough and you want it to last, you just have to give it away. Mm, beautiful. Her waters ran very deep. Uh, and she knew that uh, stewardship was a big part of who they uh, felt like they were. We've been entrusted with uh, resources during our life, whether they're financial or real uh, resources. You're only no more than a steward of those resources during the time that you have them. It's your responsibility to, to cultivate that, make it better, leave it better for somebody else who's coming along behind you. And if you really love something, you want to you make sure that it uh, that it's given away in and left in good hands so they in turn will leave it better off for those that follow them indeed what a what a great philosophy uh you, we keep mentioning the katie trail but you know i didn't know that there was any connection with ted jones uh, or pat jones with the katie trail uh there's a story here can you introduce us somewhat to how that came about i i knew I learned a few numbers and things as I read the book, but uh, you probably have a little better handle on it. Yeah, it, was, it all came about as a result of a flood in 1986 uh, when the Missouri uh, uh, River uh, exceeded its banks and the Katy Line, the Missouri, Kansas, and Texas Railroad Line finally said, we're done and they were going to close the line. Well, uh, Ted, many years prior to that, had been up in Baraboo, Wisconsin, and he had ridden on one of the, the very first Rails to Trails program that existed in the country it was started in Baraboo, Wisconsin. And he thought, you know, what a wonderful thing for the uh, citizens of Wisconsin to have. I hope Missouri gets one of those one of these days. And well, in 1986, when the flood occurred and the Katy announced that they were abandoning the line, uh, there was a fellow by the name of Darwin Hindman. Uh, he was a lawyer in Columbia. He ended up being a mayor of Columbia for five consecutive terms. We all know Daryl. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah, he's a he's a biker and uh, just yeah. a, a well-beloved man here in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, well, Ted so. loved him too. And the two of them put their heads together and said, "Let's go. Let's go to the uh, legislature and let's see if we can't do a rails to trails program here in in Missouri." And and it turned into be quite a fight. Uh, the, the farmers didn't want to have it happen, which is uh, really ironic in one respect, because Ted always considered himself a farmer first. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the head of a New York Stock Exchange uh, <laughs> Fortune 500 company. He was a farmer. In fact, when he would go places on Wall Street uh, and he would make calls on big companies, he would leave his card. And it's all the card said was Ted Jones, farmer, and his phone number on it didn't say edward jones member of new york stock exchange all that it just said ted jones farmer uh and so he was he was picking a fight with his fellow farmers to make this happen but you know he he saw what a, a real asset that was and a teaching opportunity uh, uh about the history of missouri and the lewis and clark trail and and just the beauty of uh, missouri's uh, nature natural uh, history was a big uh, something that he was um, a big fan of but uh, it was a several year battle before, you know, the first uh, leg of the Katy Trail was uh, uh, dedicated in April of uh, 1990, uh, some four years later. Mm -hmm. There is in that uh, chapter that's focused on Katy Trail, um, there, there are some things that went on that, I mean, obstacles were huge and, and there were, I mean, he had to deal with not just the farmers, but the, the state legislature. And 
I recall it initially he, he put up a uh, hundred thousand dollars and said well you know we're, we'll need to put this much up and that worked for a while but then he doubled it okay two hundred thousand but by the time he got to the legislatures they said oh well you know it's too much money you know we can't uh, we can't afford it <laughs> is the way it sounded yeah and, Dick he got wind of a, a he was about to be blindsided uh, and somebody got him the word that you know, the, the uh, committee that's looking at this is going to uh, come together and they're going to tell you that it's going to take more money uh, that they've got uh, and they're not going to be able to do it. And, uh, and they're going to, they're going to, they're just, they're just not going to do it. And so it was a public hearing. And so Ted says, we'll all be there. So Ted shows up and in a very public format, uh, Ted starts, working each one of the congressmen around the, the table and said, so you're telling me that we can't do this trail because we don't have this amount of money. And, and, uh, he said, and that, and he said, yes, yes, sir, Ted, that's, I'm sorry. We just, it's not in the budget. And they go to the next legislator and say, and you're telling me that if we had the money, we'd do it. And yeah, mm -hmm. Ted, if we had the money, we'd do it. And in the next, go to the next one. And he said, so there's really no obstacle other than the money that is keeping us from doing it. Yes, Ted, it's all about the money. Ted worked, he made sure that every person on that committee said, yeah, it's all about the money in front of this public hearing. And Ted said, well, gentlemen, you got the money. And he came up with the money that they were saying that they couldn't come up with. Mm -hmm. And there was no, he had worked them into a corner. They could yeah. not do anything but pass the trail. Well, I think it's okay to say, because it says it in the book, that that was a million dollars. Is that correct? Well, it's actually uh, twice that number. Oh, uh, two. <laughs> ultimately, but and uh -huh. and then Ted left a, uh, an endowment in his uh, will uh, to uh, further the the extension of the trail and the maintenance of the trail, and so, yeah, it went uh, well. The the investment in the trail for Ted was well beyond what most people would uh, be aware of. But Pat always said it was the biggest fight of his life, and uh, and uh, he, no one should bet against him. <laughs> well, amen to that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to uh, take another break, John. Uh, but when we come back, we let's talk about another fight that he had uh, that he seemed to win for a little while, but then it came back. Uh, and that was the cancer that he was dealing with. So uh, we'll be back in just a minute, folks, with John Berline from Clayton, uh, Missouri, talking about trailblazers. Uh, this uh, book by Jeanette Cooperman, and uh, it's the free-spirited and extraordinary lives of uh, Ted and Pat Jones. Uh, but first, just want to say hi, folks. Thanks for being with us uh, today on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri. This is Glocal News in Social Artistry, where we talk to people that are building a more humane world from the inside out. And I, I just uh, don't need to really make a point of it, but I think we're hearing a story today about Ted and Pat Jones, who were all about building a more humane world uh, from the inside out and and the representative of the story and, and, and precipitator in the sense of the book. Uh, with us today is John Berline from Clayton, Missouri. So uh, welcome again, John. Your dream, 
literally a dream uh, less. Now, this is less than, it, no, just a little more than a year ago. This is We got lucky, Dick. Yeah, most people said it takes two or three years to put a book together, but we got very lucky. Uh, uh, we've stumbled into a couple of treasure troves of uh, great information on the Jones family. Uh, John Key and his family, who was the uh, the uh, nephew of Ted Jones, had done the family tree on both sides. And so they laid that into Jeanette's lap. Uh, so you could tell four generations back how the families came to St. Louis and the many impacts that they had made. Uh, Pat's side of the family, uh, James Jameson, uh, uh, was an architect who came from Philadelphia and actually uh, was responsible at, at the age of 33 for the creation of the Brookings Building, uh, the the major capstone of the Washington University campus, just oh. as the World's Fair in 1904 was being built. Uh, he was uh, big into architecture. His, his Pat's mother became interested in landscaping to help around all the buildings that uh, her father was making. And she would take her daughter, Pat, uh, on these landscape jobs. And that's where Pat got her love affair for, the, uh, for land. And then she ended up going to the University of Missouri's Agriculture School. She was the first woman to graduate from the ag program at Mizzou. That's why there were so many trails that these two blazed. We all look at ourselves, uh, Dick, as, as kind of trail markers. All of those who were lucky enough to come into contact with them during their lives, we always felt like, you know, they left trail markers along the trail they were blazing in the form of people whose lives that they had left better off uh, for having met them. And they, their hope was that we in turn would lead the lives of those who would follow us along the trail better off uh, and leave the trail in a more healthy way. And uh, that's kind of the legacy that they left uh, in the hearts of all of those of us who were fortunate enough to be uh, part of their lives. And uh, that's really what the, the essence of the book is uh, all about. Yeah. We hear that uh, Ted, was diagnosed with melanoma, mm -hmm. um, fairly young in a relative sense, and uh, yet uh, was able to get the treatments necessary to uh, knock it for, what, 20 years? He was uh, cancer-free, it seemed? He was, he was. We knew it was in his background, uh, but you know, we have so many more just in the last 10, 20 years, um, advances uh, in dealing with that. Uh, it was unfortunate. It, uh, it came back for the third time, and and uh, he knew that it was it, it was going to get him uh, this time. Mm. This was he didn't want anybody to know about it either. While the the fight for the Katy Trail was going on, because he knew this was going to be his his last battle, and he was just hoping that he'd be able to to see it come to fruition before he passed away. Uh, first uh, leg of the trail was uh, dedicated in April of uh, 1990, and he passed away in October. Uh, of that year that was it, it was really working on him and and uh, it was unfortunately a fight that he wasn't going to win this time but he mm -hmm. he enjoyed the fights and in fact uh that uh that meeting that i told you about earlier in the interview about where he came for the partners one last time he said in that uh in that meeting to us that the thing that we, he was asked by one of the partners what are you going to miss the most when you're gone and you know we thought he'd say pats or the farm or the firm or the people the dogs, the horses, you know, all those things that he loved. Uh, and he paused for a moment. And he said, you know, the thing that I think I'm really going to miss the most are the fights. Uh, and we thought, wow, he didn't say Pat. And, and that also caused the room to go quiet. Years later, I asked Pat, 
I asked her, I said, did it ever bother you that uh, that last time that Ted came before the partners that he didn't say the thing that he was going to miss was you? And she said, oh, no, no, that was just the, that's just the way uh, Ted was. That's who he was. He said he was the kind of guy who could see things as they were and could envision how they might be in a more perfect world and the courage to try and close the gap. Yeah. And if it involved a fight, all the better to Ted. <laughs> what a, a beautiful vision. You know, see things the way they are. Have a vision for the way it could be in a perfect world and close the gap. The That's courage it. to close the gap. The courage, thank you. The courage, courage to close, to close the, the gap. gap. Yeah. I think we'll write that up some. Well, oh, it's already in the book, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's in the book Trailblazers, which uh, people will be able to find now because it just, uh, publication date was what, April 18? Two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a brand new book hardback, and uh, the proceeds, uh, any profits from the book, go to help the maintenance of the Katy Trail. What a, a great way to, to invest. We're it all the way to Kansas City and, uh, and uh, actually get a part of the trail extended from the Confluence State Park, which is named after Ted and Pat Jones, where the Missouri and Missis uh, Mississippi come together, connect that portion to the St. Charles portion, and then there's another piece that... Uh, uh, we'll uh, connect it from Clinton uh, on to Kansas City that we're working on. So wow. there's still a lot of activity going on on the trail and a, a lot of mm -hmm. feeder lines that are trying to, to uh, be supported. Uh, and, um, you know, Missouri was uh, a couple years ago rated as the number one uh, rails to trails uh, bike uh, state in the country, in the country. Because the Katy Trail is the longest, isn't it? Is. It? Uh, it is. Bike trail. Mm -hmm. It's the longest and narrowest state park in, uh, <laughs> in the country. It's only about 15 feet wide. Well, there, there's uh, an interesting story uh, related to Pat and uh, part of the trail over near Boonville, where I guess she went over and, and saw that, uh, you know, the trail was going across this narrow bridge that had been a car bridge. And then there was some kind of a hill that bikers would just struggle to get up over. Somehow she had a way of uh, influencing and, and getting it together to change. Do you know anything about that story? Uh, yeah, it was a very dangerous passing. It was on a, an active uh, thoroughfare for the trains. It oh. was still being used by the railroad. And so uh, Pat convinced that this was not a safe place yeah. for people to cross. And so they created a, a, another uh, crossing and Pat reached into her purse uh, and pulled out some help uh, and others uh, did the same and uh, it was dedicated in her honor uh, and it's the she didn't want it uh, named in her honor but they they would have they wouldn't listen to her uh, so she um, she now has a bridge a, a bike uh, bridge uh, named in her honor uh, and it was all because she just wanted people to be safer uh, when they were making that crossing. Wow. If you go, if you uh, come into Callaway County uh, from the uh, east, you'll drive down Highway 70, and you'll see all kinds of billboards along the sign uh, sides of the highway. You get into Callaway County, and it becomes like a, a billboard desert because she thought that the billboards were a, a scar on Missouri's landscape, and so she fought long and hard to keep billboards out of Callaway County, uh, and it shows. I mean, it's it's very few uh, in in that county but she also didn't like the fact that the union electric was creating a nuclear power plant in her backyard and she fought 
long and hard. Hmm. Uh, she didn't win that battle, but she said the best thing she could do was haunt it after <laughs> she was gone. And so people talk about seeing shadows uh, in, in the power plants and wondering if it's Pat walking up and down the, the facility. And so Prairie Fork Conservation Area is in Callaway County. And that would be, uh, is it uh, north of the power plant? As you do, it is. yeah, it's across the highway. Yeah, if anybody knows Crane's store in that part of uh, the country, it's uh, a, a few miles from Crane's. But yeah, it's uh, it's the family farm. Uh, they've added to it uh, seven, eight hundred acres that the, originally the, the footprint uh, was, and they, they added several hundred acres to it. But they, this is what they uh, donated. It they People Magazine did an article on Pat uh, a few years back. Uh, entitled The Prairie Godmother because mm. of all the work that she was doing to uh, return their farm to the original prairie that uh, existed when the pioneers came through. Right. So she, she pulled out a lot of the invasive species and replanted uh, what history uh, taught them or what was here, um, you know, 200 years ago. Uh, um, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, place. And... Uh, <coughs> Then there's plenty of pictures of it in the book. Uh, uh, I, I think the the, the photo, photography in the book, the quality of the photography is exceptionally good. And it showcases uh, kids uh, coming in from schools to uh, uh, to have fun, get dirty and learn uh, on the farm. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful resource uh, for research uh, for the University of uh, Missouri's Agricultural School as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, these were unassuming people, in a sense. Uh, I, I noticed uh, that one little story where um, there was a, maybe one of the Edward Jones uh, big meetings and, and everybody was getting sort of dolled up to go, but it was a really cold and snowy night or something. And they all arrive in there. <laughs> You know, fancy shoes and and yeah. slick clothes, but who comes in what a parka or you know all bundled up and warm? <laughs> yep, yeah, it, it, they believed in comfort and utility. You know? <laughs> they didn't put believe in putting on airs. Yeah, uh, and I remember once uh, uh, Dick going to pick up Pat uh, to take her to lunch. I'd gone out to the farm and I just uh, bought a brand new. Uh, BMW and I was really uh, I'm kind of a car guy but uh, I was really proud of this new car that I had and I pulled up outside the farmhouse and uh, went in to get Pat and brought her out and got her in the car and she said oh my gosh this is a nice car and I said yes Pat I had to have something that I thought was uh, up to uh, to taking uh, Ted Jones's uh, wife out to lunch and she said well who makes this car and I said well the Germans did and she said oh wow and is it expensive and I said well yeah they're they cost a pretty penny. Well, how much gas? That must mean they have great gas mileage then, doesn't it? I thought, oh, I know where she's going with this. She was going to get me. And she got me. You know, she, I pulled away from the farmhouse with her Prius sitting right next to my big uh, gas guzzling BMW. And I, I never took that car again to take her anywhere. <laughs> Another, you know, educational opportunity yes. that. Uh, she did in a very gentle, uh, kind way. Yeah, yeah. That was just the way they were. I mean, uh, they uh, they knew that, um, you know, they were tight, don't get me wrong, and, and, and didn't want to spend a lot of money. 
but they had money when they saw a true need mm -hmm. that required some uh, someone to champion the need. Mm -hmm. That was more important to them than having, you know, the fanciest this or the fanciest that. Uh, it was all about uh, how could they make uh, the landscape around them, the, uh, the conservation and the ecology of Missouri, uh, more beautiful uh, than what they found it. And uh, that's what they wanted to spend their money on. Yeah. What a great investment. Uh, and Missouri has benefited in so many ways that that people just don't know about, which is what the book is all about, trying to get the word out, in a sense. Uh, tell the story and uh, let people know that, that we're enjoying things that uh, have a history. Uh, yes. my, my dad was uh, in, in his uh, final career <laughs> after being a, a clothing store owner for years and years and years. Uh, his wife died and, and he started writing a column for the Columbia Tribune and sort of became the historian of Columbia history in, in Boone County. So history, you know, I appreciate and is, is very important. People love to know the stories that go back. And boy, is this book just packed with uh, stories. I, I don't know how Jeanette Cooperman was able to get so many quotes from so many uh, yeah. different sources. Uh, we had, uh, we had uh, over 75 interviews from people who knew the family and uh, knew Ted and Pat. And as I said, uh, the Key family, John Key provided uh, the chronological uh, history of the both sides of the family. And then uh, Edward Jones uh, was willing to, uh, they didn't commission the book, but they uh, collaborated with us on the book and opened up the archives of the firm. Uh, so uh, many of the documents and stories uh, uh, that we share in the book uh, are uh, a credit to uh, their collaboration. Uh, and then there was a, a start on a book um, many years ago, probably a dozen years ago that never uh, 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 actually happened. Uh, we found this treasure trove of of interviews that were done with uh, industry uh, uh, um, leaders that we did business with, who knew the Joneses fairly well uh, in the in the garage of one of the associates that uh, they were cleaning the garage around and found all these tape recordings and and all these uh, transcripts wow. of these conversations, and Jeanette was able to get her hands on those and. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, Dick, she did such a great job on weaving the story together. You'd swear she knew them, even yeah. though she had never met either one of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so personable. Uh, you just feel like you're going to dinner with them or walking yeah. beside them or riding yeah. with them. or uh, Yeah. Very well done. Uh, so we have about less than three minutes left, John. Uh, can I just turn it over to whatever is on your heart and would like to share with our listeners in the last few minutes. Well, thank you, Dick. And I, again, I certainly appreciate your interest in the project. And, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, if there's a message that the book uh, has, it's that, uh, you know, people need to, to tie into whatever their passion is. And, you know, the society around us, uh, sometimes forces us uh, into thinking there's a certain expectation for how we need to behave uh, and uh, how we put priorities on certain things that make us feel important. But uh, Ted and Pat, uh, they showed their example was that, you know, 
whatever is your true passion in your uh, inner heart is what you follow. Uh, and for them, it wasn't, uh, and there's nothing wrong with being a blue blood uh, St. Louis family. And, and uh, you know, the, you know, the country club sets serve, you know, they all do good work, but that was just not who they were. It uh, was whose Ted father was certainly and, and, and Pat's uh, family as well. But they chose a different uh, path and they blazed a different trail and uh, they had the courage to go out and and uh, even though they differed, uh, uh, had different perspectives on maybe the politics, uh, they, they found a way to come together and collaborate and support each other uh, for the benefit of others, both people and places uh, in Missouri. Uh, and the ripple effect, the over 7 million clients of Edward Jones hmm. uh, who, uh, who are working with these financial advisors and helping them achieve their important life drivers. Uh, and, the, and just the sheer joy that comes from getting on a bike and riding on the Katy Trail. Uh, these, were, these are lasting impacts that these families made uh, this family made. Thank God they didn't have any kids because we all became <laughs> their kids. They adopted us and, yeah. uh, and they transitioned all their values and beliefs. Certainly we, we benefited financially from the, the relationship with both of them. Uh, but how they enriched our lives with their values and beliefs and, and the example they set for us is something that we all cherish. And, and uh, the book does a, a great job of bringing that out. Uh, and don't buy the book, as I said earlier, if you don't want to be inspired, because uh, you, uh, you can't help but come away from it thinking you want to be more like Ted and Pat. Well, John Berline, Clayton, Missouri, Trailblazers by Jeanette Cooperman uh, can be found at uh, magnificentmissouri.org. And you are a delightful representative of both uh, Ted and Pat and, and the company and the book. Uh, thank you so much for your time today and sharing with us. Thank you, Dick. It was a real pleasure. And folks, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon.